Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Callbacks and Paper Jams. I am your host, Thomas Times, but you already knew that. Today, I had to go all the way back to a time when I was about 18 years old, and I had dreams of moving to LA and becoming a star right off, right out of the car when my mom dropped me off. Obviously, those things didn't work out this year I am, but it's okay. Times are changing. But I want to introduce you to somebody that has really helped me on my journey and was a great friend to me back then and is still a great friend to me now. I want you all to give a warm welcome to Doreen Young Love. Hello, Doreen. How are you doing today? Hi, Thomas. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing I'm good. doing good. Happy Sunday. I say this every day, but I'm like recording this. I'm able to look out my window and see a blue sky. And anyone listening to this or has listened to multiple episodes, hears me say this every week, but I do not take a blue sky for granted anymore in California because for weeks... We, it was orange at one point. I don't, I'm sure you saw the pictures, but yeah. there was one day where the sky was just orange mm. and then weeks of it just being gray and you couldn't go outside because you might die. COVID mm. wasn't, COVID was trying to kill you. The air was trying to kill you. It was bad. And I don't have AC in my house, so I couldn't open my oh. windows. Oh, it was rough. That is rough. It was rough. Something as simple as that. And in these times is so major because it's mm-hmm. compounded by COVID, you mm-hmm. know? The fires in and of themselves are very scary mm-hmm. and very uh, real, you know, and, and very taxing on our resources. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, COVID. So I can only imagine, I feel for you very much that you were, yeah. you know, pulling all your creative hairs. To oh, yeah, no, it was entertained. awful. <laughs> it was absolutely awful. I remember, um, yeah, just being like, I'm going to go outside and it's, I, and it, I'm just going to risk it right now and being like, okay, never mind. I'm coming back in. Can't breathe. You know, it was bad. It was bad. So I mm-hmm. never take a blue sky for granted. Namaste. Yeah. And I hear you. I guess that's deep. I don't know. It sounds deep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's, I'm, not, it's real. It's, it's real. what it is. It's real. I think that what COVID has done for many of us is have us looking at what do we really appreciate right here and now. It's keeping us more present than before and looking at the little things. I know for me, you know, joy, I'm trying to find joy in the smallest of things. So today, today you're my joy, Thomas. Thank you. During it's it has literally been two minutes and you're already dropping some jewels of wisdom on us. <laughs> Yeah, usually goes. people wait till after their bio to drop some things, but you did it before and I love it. That's Doreen, y'all. Doreen can't <laughs> go anywhere without dropping some wisdom on some people. She just can't do it. It's just not in her. It's not in her blood. It's just who she is. And I remember being 18 and just needing everything that Doreen had at the time. And I was probably a lot. I was probably a lot to handle. Not probably. I was a lot to handle. But Absolutely. Doreen handled me with care. Dang, Doreen, you got to tell everything. No, well, you, you come know. in and go, no, he was perfectly kind. He was <laughs> no, you're, well, you, you were lovely. In ter- <laughs> no, really. I mean, <laughs> we're not even to the bio yet. We're just getting into the relationship. We are. No. We are. We are. Um, yeah. No, but this is, this is us though. No, Thomas, this is me and Doreen, yeah. Thomas was lovely. And what, 18 at the time? 18. 18. You know, so 18. So, so. Barely legal. Okay. Nervous, <laughs> exuberant, you know, scared, excited, lots oh, of energy Way for too theater, excited. Pas- Way passionate, too excited. very excited, you know, passionate. Way uh, too excited. So, and I'm, and I've been a high energy person all my life. So I could relate. I mean, I saw, I probably saw myself and you, Thomas, when I was 18, I was like that, you know, and, you know, I saw a young brother having some challenges and, and trying to find his way because you had moved down south to go mm-hmm. to school you know I'd moved across country so I think we were both in that it, it's sort of like the you know uh, the universe together spirits. at the right time yes, for, yes. Spirits, yeah. two people relocating you mm-hmm. the first time me the third time I love to tell myself my mm-hmm. third time at college <laughs> nothing wrong <laughs> with that but hey, how many hey, degrees do you hey, have though how many degrees hey. do you have 
Well, I got my associates because I asked them to do that, which was very that's funny. One. That's a whole long story, but I got my associates and I got that's my one. bachelor's. So that's mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Three like times, that, yeah. two degrees. So I think yeah, that adds yeah. up. I think that adds up. It does. It does over time, <laughs> right? And 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 I'm I'm I, who knows what I'll do next? Maybe a master's, you know. You and maybe know. make it. Um, how many? How many? So this is moving to New York was your fourth big move, right? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I realized to lay out my life. I have moved a lot in my life. My family moved a oh, lot. Same. Not be, yeah, same. yeah. Yeah. Not because we're military, but just because that's how it was. Uh, yep. Work and things like that. So. Uh, at that time, I had lived in New York for a long time. And so moving to LA was a big deal, leaving New York behind after many years of being here. And then I moved back <laughs> five yeah. years ago. So I sort of, in the last, uh, what, 12 years, I've had like two big moves, you know? That's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. I, I, I'm a person who believes in, uh, I, I'm where I'm at and then I'm all there. And then if something comes up, the life changes, then I'm there. I mean, the next thing, you know, it's not like I have to stay in the one place. Although I did believe for a long time, New York was the answer. I did. I think a lot of people believe that. And I think, and I think some ways New York is the answer. At least it was for me. Like I remember when I was in LA, I was just in my apartment one night and something about New York came up and I don't remember where. And I was like, dang, I want to move there. And I got in my mind living in LA that I was going to end up in New York eventually. And Mm -hmm. I did. And I learned everything I needed to learn in New York. Granted, it wasn't Mm -hmm. New York city, but it was still adjacent. It was like 45 minutes away, but the state of New York and New York City gave me everything I needed it to. I, I, I would agree And then I left, that. I yeah. took what I needed and I came back to California. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's very, what New York is here to be utilized. I yeah. totally agree with that. And, and I utilized it and mm-hmm. I owe it lots of money because of student debt and that's okay. <laughs> Hopefully Mr. Biden, if you're listening, you clear that debt. Come on, Kamala, you can do this. Come on, Joe. For that, you know, absolving Bernie, school debt. Get with Bernie and clear that debt for us. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's a different story. We'll do a whole another episode on student loans. But <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. Yeah, I went to New York, got what I needed, and came right on back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what you need to do. I think it was great. I love that you moved around after, mm-hmm. well, during during and after college, and had different experiences. I think it's super important to. Ex- explore horizons. I wasn't ready. My mom was like, you're going to New York. And I'm like, but wait, I really didn't have a choice. And, uh, you know, go live with your sister, see what real life is like. And I'm like, wow, that was real, you know? So uh, <laughs> I was not ready. I was, you know, real young, same green, you know, so I can really relate to your experience when we met because yeah. I at 18 had to come to New York city and be like, uh, you know, and I, I had from a small town at the time, I was not ready. And it changed me. It changed me completely as a person. So I Oh, Let okay. me tell All right. the people out there a okay. little bit about you, okay, y'all? Okay. Doreen, I'm going to give you guys about six words that describe Doreen, okay? She's a vocalist, an amazing vocalist, a girl, girl singing under the table, a songwriter, a performer, a recording artist, and an intuitive coach. And she says wannabe director and writer, but I took a writing class with her, so she's a writer. I never took a directing class with her, so I can't speak to her directing, but I'm sure other people out there can, so... Doreen's, I'm, I'm not going to claim this wannabe. She's a director and a writer as well. So namaste. Thank you. Thank you. I probably, no, we're gonna it's, speak it's the time I probably one. need to, yeah, I probably the time I need to start. I, with COVID, you know, I've been uh, doing some things around the house, you know, to entertain oneself and also to declutter, you know, and whatnot and be, be productive. And so I, I went through all my college binders 
from the last uh, two, actually, yeah, the, the four years that I, two years I knew you and the two years after and found my writings. And I was like, oh, 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 oh excuse you, Miss Playwright. <laughs> funny enough, I was going through, I for one of the hot seat questions, I had to pull, go back through an email to find some information. And I was going through, oh yeah, just wait. And, um, <laughs> and um, I was looking at, cause back then I didn't realize uh, in 2009, I didn't realize how to send an attachment. So I would literally just copy and paste you on those, on the scripts. And I would just email them directly to you in an email in the body of the email. And I was going back through and I was like, wow, I wrote some interesting plays. Yeah, we all I, I'm excited. Oh, I hope you bring class. those up. Because, yeah. Oh, I love that class. I think yeah, it was Professor McKnight, right? Chris, Norman Mr. McKnight. Norman. Norman. Yeah, Norman. Yeah, I believe it was Norman. It was it was something. It was like M. Norman McKnight. And he went by Norman at that time. But I think he had a different first name. He was but, really yeah. cool. I remember I liked him. He was him. my he homie. Was, do you do any more playwriting or writing of scripts and stuff like that? I have not been doing that. And so that was what was beautiful during COVID as I said, oh, maybe I need to pick this up. So as you were asking me for, you know, words to describe me, I thought, well, want to be writer director. I really found a lot of joy in playwriting uh, and also directing when I was at CSULA. So um, that may be something I, I get into. What I have been doing is uh, working in performance and in, you know, performing live and musically. Um, I was working with Reverend Yolanda uh, during uh, Church with a Two Drink Minimum which is a, a, a LGBTQIA++ uh, environment. It's for the queer community and it is to inspire a spiritual connection and community uh, for those who have, may have walked away from traditional church, you know, from the church and not felt welcome. It's a place where everyone is welcome. It's God optional, trans-tastic celebration of life, you know? <laughs> and we were doing that. And so there was a lot of, uh, work in terms of what we wanted to do musically and editing that, you know, like saying, well, which songs do we want to do for this? Uh, we, they would do readings and we would, you know, they'd give me a reading to do and then I would work on that. So it wasn't writing per se, but helping put the whole thing together was, was mm. a great passion, you know, over the past few years. And of course, COVID uh, stopped that right in its tracks in terms of the uh, live aspect. And because we're not in the same room because we harmonize beautifully together, we don't get to do that. So yeah, COVID and, has put a stop to a lot of things. Yes, it has. I mean, it's still continuing. They do it on Sundays and they do it. Uh, she and her husband, Rev, uh, Glenn Ganaway, your favorite anarchist preacher. He, uh, they're both friends of mine. Yeah, they're really wonderful, wonderful couple and wonderful humans and wonderful spiritual beings that uh, really are on that mission to bring community, you know, to those who have felt unwelcome you know, in, in what we would call a church environment. And so they do that online on Sundays and also, you know, with each other. So I don't get to sing with, with them anymore, which is no fun, but, yeah. you know, send them lots of love and light because it's been such a formative time in New York with them. Yeah, um, this COVID thing has really forced, I've talked about this with a lot of different people on here, but this COVID thing has really forced people to really kind of rethink who they are as a creative and I've been on Facebook lately and I see a lot of people being like, oh, I just want to create art. I just want to create, create art, create art. And I'm like, well, you still can. You just yes. can't do it in the traditional fashion, but yes. you can still do it. Yes. And I think there's so many ways. It just takes you being creative and just thinking out. It takes a creative to be creative and think outside the box and think I, like, oh, I want to act today. It doesn't just because you don't have an audience, build an audience, make an audience, make something. If you want to do a play, Get the rights for a play, open up a Zoom room, film it, put it up on YouTube, donate and donate the proceeds to a 
organization you feel passionate about. Like, yeah, you can't be on a stage, but you can still do stuff. If you want to stage manage, find people that are doing a play online, stage manage them. You want to direct, grab some of your friends. Do a, There's so many different options to do out there that I feel like it's going to take a little bit of extra thought, but you can still do it. Absolutely. And you can still be innovative. You can still be, you can still create. Like that's what we do. Creatives, we, we have to think outside the box. If, if I think, we're not I think doing it, no one else can. That Well, first of all, that's true. I mean, when you look at the Broadway shutdown till June, 2021, you know, that's nuts. Uh, that is which is nuts. And so nuts. here I am, you know, in New York, like we were all like, I'm sorry, what? I mean, that was a shock to the system. Yeah. That became, it became real, real, you know, when Broadway's like, okay, we're shut down. Then they're like spring, then they're like June, you know? Yeah. So uh, a lot of my friends are And they announced the June shutdown that. in like, it was like. It wasn't that far. It was, it was, it was like August or September. So basically they were like, yeah. we're agreeing yeah. to shut down for almost a month, for basically more than a year. A year. More and than that's a new, and, yeah. And I, um, there's an exact number that's someone given out, but it's a large percent of New York's income is Broadway. Oh, it's so it's all related: yeah. taxis, restaurants, retail stores, mm-hmm. hotels. Mm-hmm. Think you're going to go to a Broadway show on a, yeah. advertising, right? Yeah. You're going to go to a Broadway show on a Friday, you know, night, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to go into the city or or a Saturday matinee or Saturday evening, even a Sunday. You're going to go to the city. You're going to get a hotel. You're going to need to eat. You may have forgot something, so you got to go to the store, or you, you want to get, get an outfit for tonight. You got to get around. You got to get a taxi, subway, right? Mm-hmm. Everything really revolves around Broadway's, but you know, in Manhattan especially. So that's a huge blow to our community. So I, I really, my heart goes out to everyone in Manhattan, really working through this. It's a different feel in Manhattan than it is for Brooklyn, where I am. You can, it's palpable. You can feel what, where it's thriving, you know, and where it's a little wacky right now. You know, it's a different vibe uh, on to creatives creating. I think, you know, this is something I want to bring up now. I don't know if we need to go back to the beginning before we get deep into this because we sort of just threw the oh, words no, out. And then we're, okay. Ah. We're already in and going. What, so what love she's it. Okay. saying is <laughs> put your seatbelt on folks. Put your seatbelt so on. I have, you know, I have a unique perspective because I understand that there are different types of creatives, right? So it brings up a distinction for me of working artist versus like a, an artist. Can you break that down for us? Yes. So working artist would be someone or a working performer or working actor, as we say, someone who is out there auditioning to get roles, to get paid for said roles. And then there's that's your only job, right? Right. That is your that is your main source of income. Right. So you are not acting, you're not eating. That type of idea. Basically, right? Because like, if we call you a working actor, right? If you, it means you're constantly out there hustling and you've got jobs to support you throughout the, the time. And, and that includes certainly singers and whatnot, but I'm just using actor as a, as a framework. So, so someone like, a, so like an actress like um, Drew Barrymore, those guys? Certainly, but even she's, she's really a bona fide star. So I mean, below um, that, right? So let's right. say you're, you, so let's say you're, uh, I have a friend, um, I might as well, you know, give the plugs, right? So Adam B. Shapiro is a wonderful, wonderful singer, actor, performer. And he just was done with a run of Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish in just before COVID started. Mm-hmm. So he, he is what I call a working actor. He does not wait tables. He is a working actor. So if you, you see him, he, you know, he's auditioning for shows all the time. He's always in a show. If he's not in a, in a show that's um, you know, off Broadway or something of that nature, he's, you know, doing other shows. He's always up to something. I've never heard him say, I'm going to go, you know, wait tables over here. You know, he is a working actor. Now he may not be totally famous, but he's been in things that you've actually seen. Um, the opening scene, oh, what is that movie? It's an Adam Sandler movie. 
and it's an opening scene and there's a gentleman who is uh, I believe Jewish in it and it's actually is it the, the cobbler I think it is and the opening scene is my friend Adam B. Shapiro as like the rabbi in that I have no idea okay. what movie this yeah. is. It's, it's an older movie from Adam yeah. Sandler. I'll have to look it up to, to make sure to, to fact check us on that. No, I don't think it's that. It's, it's uh, I think it's the cobbler. And, you know, I remember seeing him in that and being like, oh, and I just met him. Like, Adam, I just saw you, you know. But someone who's out there, you know, consistently not getting work, 100%. but maybe not famous. So you have that person. Then you have um, working actors who are also waiting tables because maybe the, the roles are fewer and far between, mm -hmm. right? Then you have, maybe the actor that has a day job, right? But does do consistent acting. So me. You know, there you go, right? Yeah. Where you've got shows, maybe they're local community theater, some professional, you know, depending on time of year, right? So maybe in the mm -hmm. summer, if you're working with uh, kids, let's say during the school year, then you have summers off to go do something professional. You know, those, those are options. Mm -hmm. And then you have folks like myself who are artists that maybe they get paid, maybe they don't get paid. I like to call myself semi-professional. And sometimes I get paid and sometimes I don't, you know, and I have a day gig. And it no, I'm going to push me... that real quick. I'm going to push that real quick. Mm -hmm. I think if you've got, I consider myself, if you've gotten paid once, you're professional. So I put that by yeah. my, I put yeah. that by my, Look, yeah. we all self-define. I'm talking yeah. about me, right? So I call <laughs> oh, no, it yeah, no, pro, you know, right? Because I got my own, and we'll talk more because I got my yeah. own other stuff going on. But that idea of like, am I, am I any less of an actor or, or a performer or singer or artist because I'm not working 24 seven? And my answer to that is no. I 100% agree. Right? Because you are doing what makes sense to you. And the things I like are not necessarily mainstream. Me on mm -hmm. Broadway, uh, although I'd like to think I have the voice for it, I don't know that I have the temperament for it. And that is why, from, and we can talk about my, my uh, few auditions for Rent back in the day that uh, you know, got me in the room, but then I messed up because I just wasn't ready for that experience because I was a rock and roller. And that made sense to me at that time. You know? So as we go through our journeys, some of us are better with the business end of it than others. And yet that doesn't make us less of a performer actor. Some of us want more creative control in our careers, right? And that sometimes means a day job and then creating your own work that you can star in, you know, until something else comes along. There's so many stories of people that started somewhere and were doing a thing and then decide they didn't like it, want to do their own thing and then broke through and became, you know, famous or what mm -hmm. have you, or popular. Um, or I even think of, you know, authors, um, although and, and I want to say that too, because I just saw a headline uh, the other day that had said Kurt Russell was saying actors shouldn't talk politics. And I thought, now that's offensive. Mm. Actors are not a thing as a group. Actors are individuals and humans. And any actor who knows their craft and is in their craft often is political. Mm -hmm. it okay? has you. You, you're going to find that as you research these roles, if you are a legit, you know, follow the craft, into it actor, you will, and, and when I say that, I think I should say theater legit more even than let's say, you know, movie legit, movie star, because sometimes, you know, different. TV it's star is different. There are some movie stars who have done theater and gone into movies who, who are completely, you know, they're, they're really well-educated. Mm -hmm. Actors are some of the most educated people you will meet because of the necessity of researching roles. Mm -hmm. So when they get political, it's a different thing. So and I think it's actor, necessary. And I, and I you know what, yeah. because I was, I was, um, I was some, um, I was, I was starting to feel some type of way when I would be on Instagram and I'd follow celebrities for whatever reason, and they wouldn't be saying anything. 
about politics, I would all, I would think, why are you not saying anything? Especially with this election cycle, it was basically mm -hmm. good versus evil. It re there really is no other way to look at it, in my opinion. I, I think I, I venture to say there is, but we'll, but let's let's step okay. aside from well, from, from current okay. politics. But right, let's don't let's move into I would say politics like eight, in general. I, yes, yes, yes. Just I think because it's a you know, hot nuance. topic, right? But I think with right. this one right now, I was feeling at least what I the way I was looking at it, and I'd love to dig into this um, idea a little bit further with you. But what I was finding was that the people that weren't posting were concerning me because my idea behind it was the. Trump's side and his fans, all the, the things that they were supporting were really hateful ideas that really separated our country. And I was feeling like if you stood for that, if you, I've always felt like if you, if you're silent against evil, you side with evil. And my thing was, I was looking for people to stand out against it. And I was surprised when I was saying a lot of celebrities weren't. There was a lot of them that were, but there are a lot that but weren't. And it was that you just said, Thomas, pocketbook. Okay. True. Pocketbook. Right. That's an old term because for some of them who don't know. That's money. Right. Right. Jane. Money. Right. <laughs> the handbag. The, the 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 crossbody bag, if you will. Right. Their the endorsements. Dollar. Yeah. Their right. endorsements. That, right. Yeah. So they also know which side you know of the the which side of their toast is buttered, and uh, and are so they're looking at that. Some of them are not educated. I'm not saying that all because celebrity is different than actor. Also, you want to break mm. that down, right? Mm. So celebrity is a thing that doesn't mean that you're necessarily the most talented or the most gifted or the most con um, conscious or most woke, right? It just means you're famous. You've been really good at that. You've, you've hit something <laughs> in the, no, really, I mean, I mean that in all love and light. Like this is not, no Tino shade as the children say, it, it's not to be mean. It's just celebrity is that what it is. And some people get to be famous and really good at what they do, right? Some people turn into America's sweethearts, if you will, you know, and like other Tracy people. Ellis Ross, Will Smith, right? That, those yeah, folks, right, yeah. The, right. Those are the, right. Those folks are definitely sweethearts of America, and uh, and so they have their own lane that they're in, and they're also backing up a talent. One of the things I like about Will Smith, just for an aside, is that he did grow. He did not just stay where he was. And I think that that's important, right? Some actors don't. However, they stay famous. He mm. grew, you know, and for that, I, I applaud. You know someone who's really grown? Tracy Ellis Ross. Also. Yeah. Like, if you watch yeah. Girlfriends back in the day, she was always I good. Know. But where she is now with Blackish and Homegirls, like, leading her own movies, it is a different league where she used to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and she was always good. And she has really elevated her craft. And that's, that's the level. Super that's how you should right? do. Yeah, yeah, to evolve. Whatever it looks like, everybody has, has to have the space to evolve and grow. Mm -hmm. I really do believe in that. And, and whatever direction that takes you. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not so better, you know, or so good, you know, but you're, we have to allow artists to be artists. Mm. Some have gone into the public eye and then gone out. I'm just, Dave Chappelle just popped in my head, right? Yeah. In the public eye at a major point and then walked away. Right. For with his own millions reasons. of dollars on the table. Yeah. And was like, no, thank you. I'm going right? to Africa. So a, a yeah. different, right. I'm going to take a personal moment. Yeah. Different than let's say uh, the, the writer of Harry Potter. Right. Mm. Same, same crux of, of intersection of money. But what he says is they were, there were going to be attachments to that money. Yeah. And he was not there for that, you know? So uh, I heard 
I forget who was telling me, but I heard that he said, okay, yeah, I got this Netflix special. I'm on Netflix finally, but- just Oh, he ain't on. getting any of the money. Right, exactly. Oh, I'm not getting any money, right? Said, I'm mm-hmm. not seeing any exactly. dime of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not seeing a dime of that, right? So this is our industry. And that's something I'd like to get into too, is, is the industry itself. And that's where it didn't work for me because of those type of practices. Someone like Dave Chappelle should be getting money from Netflix. His period. name is the show. It's exactly. The, the Chappelle, Chappelle show. show. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? So- Contracts back then, I think we have to think about this. Contracts back then were totally different because I think streaming was never an option. I think the Chappelle show came out in like 2005, 2006. Streaming was not an option or a thought back then. All they were thinking about was syndication. So he probably had a clause in there for any time a syndicated episode gets put on, he gets a certain amount of money. Well, but, and also he walked out of his own show. He walked away from his show. So that was a breach of contract. Therefore, all kinds of clauses probably kicked in. Actually, I don't know if he walked. No, no, no. I don't think he walked away. I think they wanted to extend it. And he said no. Okay, I thought he walked away. From no, no. It. Well, he walked away from okay. the money. But I think they wanted okay. to extend it, and he said no. I'm good. Okay. Okay. Then but, I don't have um, my back But I think. Straight. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of the. No, no. And I could be wrong. That's what right, I think. Right. Right. And yeah, disclaimer yeah. to anything we're saying here, in case I get an actor's name wrong or something, yeah. because I'm not looking at it, and I, I, I want to be conscious about fact checking, especially yeah. right now in the, in the area of fake news. You know. Yeah. 100. If I named the, the actor correctly who said actors shouldn't be uh, politicians, I may have named that incorrectly. I just, it was a headline I saw and thought of that because many people have said that. He's not Oh, a lot of one, people have said that know? because I don't know if you saw, um, Edward Norton went on Twitter yesterday or Ooh. two days ago and he was basically saying that we need to call Trump's bluff and like compared to what Trump is doing to playing poker basically in the, what he's doing with American politics. And he said, we just need to call his bluff. And, a lot, and I thought he had a really good analysis of everything. But a lot of people were who were opposing him were like, oh, actors should just be quiet. And I was like, why? He's a human being. Exactly. He's, he's a, a voter. Platform. He's a voter. He is a voter. He's a voting right? American. He's an American I didn't even voter. think about it that way. I was thinking really? he's a person, but let's yeah. take it yeah. even deeper. Yeah. I mean, right. If you're going to, if we're going to, because for me, I don't like to talk about Mr. T. Uh, he's not in my vocabulary. I am a proponent for what you're for and not what you're against. Right. So what I like that uh, Mr. Norton is saying is that he's saying, you know, let's call the bluff. Let's let's um, put some activity behind it. And here's where I'm coming from. Yeah. And I think in this presidency that's about to end, what was prevalent, oh right, right, was uh, <laughs> uh, was very. We stopped thinking. We stopped using our critical and thinking. And we started skills. tweeting. And we started tweeting and shouting, yeah. right? And and we started um, using one-liners. You know, we, we started marketing. Right. So I think we have to go back to what it is we're for rather than what it is we're against, especially now. And so we are for the transition. Many of us, some of us, I'm sure listening, aren't many of us are. God, for if, the you're transition. Listening, if, if you've been able to listen to this podcast, and you're not and you're against the transition of Trump. Please go back and listen to them again. If, if you can literally still sit here after five episodes of my podcast and still support Trump. Ooh, I am not doing my job right. But OK. In that case, all of us are for <laughs> the transition. And, and that's where I want to keep the focus, because I think that he won in 2016 based on us being against him. We put so much energy into that name and to that into that being that we're actually creating more of his presence. And so this idea of turning away from him and, and looking at what we're for, which is Biden-Harris, uh, let's talk about Kamala, let's get excited about that. Yes, go girl, oh, yeah. you know, 
black and Asian, hey, yeah. you know, let's go for that. Let's see a, a woman of color in the White House. We are for that. We want to yeah. see that. We've seen Michelle Obama as first lady. Now we're going to see a VP, see, that, a woman huge. sitting, a woman with access to the Oval, yeah. you know, and, and not based on marital. And let you me tell I mean? you, like based on merit. And I wonder what the, because um, I was just watching Vice last night, that movie about um, Dick Cheney. Have you ever seen it? I have not. Great film. You should definitely check it out. Um, it got some mixed reviews, but I really enjoyed it. Um, Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney and he does one of his oh, wow. usual crazy transformations. Like he has this huge gut, Christian Bale, <laughs> and um, who's becoming one of my now favorite that's an actors. actor. Christian Bale. Who's the guy who played um, can, we talk, can we stop on Christian Bale for a moment? Let's talk yeah. about him and his career. This is yeah. a great career to discuss. The fact that he, Batman is not the highlight of his career. <laughs> tell the truth. That's two snaps, y'all. Yeah. Tell the truth. Yeah. The idea that he was a, a good-looking man and they were marketing him as that and he was celebrity and they were marketing him as that and he was like, mm, no. I'm more than that. Mm-hmm. Right. And now he's become this transformational actor. He's gone deeper into his craft mm-hmm. and stood for that. And he doesn't need to be the cute boy in a, you know, in a role. Yeah. No, he's, you know? he's not afraid to get ugly. But let me tell you who's becoming one of my mm-hmm. favorite actors. And I feel like people are sleeping on him still. He, he's, he's kind of there, but not yet. Sam Rockwell. I live for Sam Rockwell. Oh my God, I love Yo, him. <laughs> the first movie he I saw him in brilliant. that I recognized him and I, he started to really stand out to me was that that Billboards out of your, that Billboards movie or seven Billboards, five Billboards. I forgot I the name. I know it. It, um, I it was it. really good. It was with Frances McDermott. She was looking for her daughter who w- went missing. Um, and he plays this racist cop. And I was like, yo, he is good. And I was like, I, yeah. and I had to look him up later to see if he's actually racist. I was like, damn, he's playing this way too well. And he's, he's not, at least he says he's no. not. I mean, I can yeah, no, he's, he says. that guy goes in. Sam Rockwell, I forget when he first got on my radar. Uh, um, he did he, this Martian, um, the alien, um, ugh, Hitchhiker's Guide. I knew it was something. Yes, yes. He was a yes. Hitchhiker's Guide. That was one of his first big movies. Yes, I knew yes, it was yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He, he, that was one of the first movies he got recognized in, and he has consistently done excellent work. And yeah. I'm waiting for the day that everyone starts to wake up to him. Yeah, he was killing it as George Bush. George now Bush. he, yeah, now he's not, you know, he's not 21, right? He's a grown man. He's he's a working he's character 50s, yeah. actor. Or yeah, 50s, I mean, yeah. you know, so it's at that point where they will or they won't. But he, yeah. I don't think he cares. Yeah, no, I think at a certain point, I, mean? I don't think you do. Yeah. No, I think if you're a tr- if you're really an actor versus a celebrity, you don't at a certain point, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think when you get to a certain point and you know your craft, mm-hmm. it's doing it is just is um, is enough satisfaction, just doing it and being in it and knowing that the art you create is bringing joy to people. I think that's enough for the for the right actors. Which is process, right? We're yeah. talking about process. People that love the process. Now there's a process to making TV. There's a process to making movies. There's a process to making films. There's a process to documentaries. There's a process to theater, mm-hmm. right? And then there's, you know, process to dance, experimental theater, all that in between, you know? And I think that what we have to honor or what I want to honor as we're talking today is, is all art forms also, mm-hmm. just all forms, especially right now in COVID because I don't think people are not getting through COVID without entertainment. Mm-hmm. There is Netflix, there's Hulu. I don't give all the brands, but you know what I mean? All those streaming services, right? Could you imagine right? if we did not have those? 
hello. If we were just, if we were those, just stuck with cable? Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. If all, Showtime, HBO, all that stuff. If all the tech people, all the directors, all the actors, if all the, the grips and the best boys and all, if, if the sound effects, you know, editors, all that, if they didn't show up for work, we would not be entertained. We are saved by streaming services right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, we can't go to Broadway. We can't go see someone sing. We can't go to you know concert. We can't go to a any kind of shows or what have you indoors, and yet we are relying on the arts to carry us, us through. Yeah. And yet in schools, we're trying to cut art programs. Mm -hmm. We're trying to cut funding to arts programs, but it's the very thing we are relying on. I mean, our country is. I mean, it's not surprising because our country is at this point a contradiction of itself. It, certainly, and I don't know that it and, just started. Oh no, but it, it, it <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And hopefully, but now it's very obvious. It's not gonna, and it's not gonna change with Joe Biden. It's gonna take, it's gonna take years. I think he, hopefully, he's a start, but um, it's gonna take years upon years, and it's gonna take generations to really change that because it took I generations hope, to get us there. Right, and I yeah. hope, I hope that in this transition of Biden Harris, that we feel and see the difference because we are more homebound than not. Mm -hmm. I hope that we can see and feel what happens next in relationship to COVID, in relationship to how the media covers Biden-Harris and all that. I, I'm interested in seeing how that all plays out. And I, I think it bears mentioning that it's, even though we're frustrated as creatives, it's so valuable that we're still here. Mm. You know, it's so valuable that we, in any way, like Thomas was saying earlier, are creating it any way we can. Now, I'll tell myself, I haven't been creating as much as I say could could be. However, I'm very spiritual. So that's something that that's my other passion that I get into. So I like to go there, you know, when things get a little rough, you know, and these downtimes and really, you know, expand my spirituality, which is also creative. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us are cooking, some of us are, are creating cakes, you know, that's I my mom friend, does. Um, my mom, um, she started her whole business through COVID. And that's how she creates. I'm going to bring her on in a couple episodes. Oh, but, great. Um, and she, that's what she does. That's what she creates. That to make yeah. her creative. Creating is, yeah. you know, actors aren't just actors, right? When you, all of us actors know this. When you write your resume, you've got to put that thing at the bottom that says special skills, mm -hmm. right? Languages, horseback riding, snowboarding, Have whatever. A driver's it is. license. Yeah, totally, right? <laughs> Speak Spanish, basic yeah. Spanish, you know, whatever it may be, right? those things are all valuable. So those those hobbies are also creative. You know, mm -hmm. the training right now is also valuable. If you can't perform, you can train. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, say that right? again. Uh, real say that talk, again. right? If you cannot perform, you can train. Take a class online. And there's so right? many on YouTube that you ain't oh, got so to even pay. You can so, get it. Right. Yeah. There's so many free things. Sign up available. for master's class. Mm -hmm. Sign up for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Train, you know. Uh, there's a, a lot of free vocal lessons, you know, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's there's so many ways, and like you said, find a group online and engage. Start your own writing group. Start oh, your own. oh, yeah, you can get some mm -hmm. friends. Get a friend of yours that you you admire their acting, and be like, "Yo, once a week, can you teach a class?" Yeah, yeah. Gather, you, you know, read stuff with, $10 with a friend. Venmo them. There right. you go. You got an right. Right. You got a class. Create. You can them. do a be study class with some friends. You don't even need a teacher. You guys, right? Could, right. Group could be the feedback. That's right. actually a really good idea. Like a scene study yeah. group. I would love Absolutely. to do something. Let's like do that. that. Let's, let's start that right now. I want to do that. Let's do that. <laughs> no, I would be, I don't know if you're serious, but I'm serious. I don't know how much I'm time serious. I'd be able to give to it, but I'd totally be able to do a yeah. scene study class. I, I love a good cold read. I just, I'd like to read stuff. That would be so much fun. A scene yeah. study course with just a yeah. bunch of people. Let's do it. I'm in. Yo, let's do that. Anyone okay. out there, if you're interested, hit us up Call on us. Facebook right. and Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally down for a scene study group.
Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's so I didn't. That's something I didn't even think about studying the craft right now. Is a huge yeah, this, thing this, that we could be doing. You have to. So, th- and this is my mistake. And you know, you know how we always talk about people are better at giving advice than than taking it. That'd be me, right? Yeah. This is why it makes me a good coach. You know, of performers and vocalists. Uh, I understand where I failed, and I understand what it takes to keep you in the game. And what it takes is keep making it regular. You got to make it regular. You got to make it a habit. Right, you get up, you brush your teeth, you shower, you do your vocal exercises, you know, you do your acting exercises, whatever that consists of for you. You have to make it regular. You have to keep yourself engaged. You know, you you can't sit in a corner and say, "I'm so sad, we're not performing," and that's it. That's not your whole life. There's more to you as a being, and the more well-rounded you are, when it does come back, you'll be even more ready to nail those auditions. I really believe that. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what auditions and stuff are going to look like like the first round and stuff because people are going to be not ready right because you've been in a in, inside for so long well a lot of the auditions are happening over zoom and i just saw an article i forgot the young actor's name uh he just said that he was in his small new york apartment and a gentleman who was auditioning him a director i guess they were taking a moment and the director did not mute himself and he complained that the actor's apartment was so small. And this is an actor that like oh, is younger, you know, celebrity, a little bit of an actor. It's been seen in some things. And so apparently the young man said, yes, that's true. You might want to mute yourself the next time you talk about. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So basically give me the, the part. Job? So I'm assuming he, he was, uh, we don't know yet, but he oh. was like, give me the part so I can get a bigger job, a better apartment. You no, know, that's like, dope. you know, that's, that's that real, check. right? Cut me right? that check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cut, then okay, then employ me because I need to, you know, yes. And then um, Judd Apatow, I do remember his name because it, it was on social. The kid posted mm-hmm. it on social, you know. And Judd Apatow's like, yo, I would have loved that apartment when I was younger. He's like, look at the big screen TV and their instruments. Awesome, you know. And it's like, yeah, perspective is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, perspective of, and so our perspective of, as, of ourselves as actors is, is what we need. We need to have correct perception on who we are as actors. And what we're That's bringing to right. the table. Exactly, as performers. Not so much, I hear a lot in school, I heard this, limitations. I don't believe in limitations, right? I don't believe in that word. I, you know, I get stay in your lane. I'm not saying that like, you know, I'm, I'm not great at everything, but I do know what I'm good at. And rather than looking at the limitations of that, I, I go into what it is that I'm good at. I go deeper into what I'm good at. And the clearer I get on what I'm good at, then when I'm dealing with other folks about creative things, I'm like, well, that's not really my, you know, purview, let's say, but mm. I'm good at this. How about this? How about I do this with this? You know, it helps you show up fully in the room authentically as you without, without limitation, but rather a focus, right? What would be your advice to somebody that has those skills that they're good at just naturally or the things that in their twenties, they're like, oh, this is my lane but I would like to switch lanes a little bit. What would be your advice to somebody that wants to do that? Who wants to switch lanes? Well, or just or basically expand mm-hmm. into Expand, expand. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, I mean, I think that's, advice is a funny word. As I get older, I like to say, here's what I, here's what I know or I've experienced or what I'd like to share rather than advice. Because for me, if it resonates with you, then by all means, please run with it. So I as a singer, as a vocalist, uh, love doing backgrounds. Absolutely love it. It's my favorite thing to do. More than lead, quite frankly, unless the lead vocal makes sense for me to do. But creating harmonies is joy for me. And so 
I've been working with this group called RAD, Recording Artist Development. It's a nonprofit recording label in New York City that is for LGBTQIA+, with a focus on trans and non-binary individuals and getting their artistry heard, you know, getting them recorded. And so in the process of coaching with that group and recording with that group and doing lots of different background vocals, I have expanded my craft. I've done background vocals on things that I didn't know that I could do. But one of the things that I've always felt about my voice is because it is very big, is that I can do anything. I can at least try, I can't hurt, you know? So even in the moment, if I'm like, well, I don't know if I can do that, but hey, let's try it. I'm, I'm really willing to try. So I would say, be willing to try and fail. There's nothing wrong with that. I have uh, done things that I would never do on my own vocally recording. Their, their main producer and founder, creative director is Phil Carroll. And Phil will say, well, Doreen, give me some of this. And I'm like, mm, okay, not quite sure what that is. Can you expand? You know, <laughs> he'll give me the feel of what he wants and I'll go for it. You know, and I found more often than not that I was kind of nailing it or at least getting as adjacent as close as I could. And then he could mix the rest into what it needed to be. And so my skills expanded by being present and showing up and being willing to try. That now, fear course, of failure is so interesting. You keep going, we'll yeah. talk about that. You were gonna say yes, something, I yes. cut you off, I apologize. I, I was, no problem. I was gonna say that uh, had I trained for that, I don't know that now this goes against traditional thought in the, in the theater creative acting world. Training is not always the answer. Mm. What does that mean? Training is fabulous for confidence, skills, you know, getting you out there, getting you started. Sometimes winging it is the answer. Sometimes if you don't know, but you're willing to try. That's really what I'm saying. It's all of it. It's taking all of that training, all of that knowledge, because I didn't walk in there, you know, one day after turning 18, I walked in the studio years after singing in the studio for different people doing different things. So it was all that training that allowed me to say, okay, let's wing it. So it's sort of knowing what to do in the moment, being comfortable enough with yourself to just wing it, just try it. Then you can go back and learn. You know, For example, I had a session uh, for Reverend Yolanda that had Sanskrit chants in it. And a lot of times I like to go into sessions not overly prepared because some things come up in the moment. You have to make things up or the producer gives you something to sing that you didn't know beforehand because they didn't know beforehand. So you have to be open. And I, that's the training that I got from going into the studio, right? But Sanskrit, I cannot do without practice. I will tell you right now, it's not a language that comes easy to me. So I said, give me the Sanskrit. I have to practice that. I have to be ready. I had to have the lyrics in front of me the entire time. I could not do it without looking, right? Or at least most of them, because it's not something that's natural. However, so I came in ready. I came with the lyrics, I came in ready. I was able to knock those out and uh, also do things that I had not planned for. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's practice, it's training, and then it's just showing up, right? I know I used to get mad as a young person and say, oh, you know, it's showing up and you know, they just showed up and they didn't do any work. Well, it's 50% showing up. Just get there. I would Let's say it's more than fifty percent. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, you know, and showing you don't up get there, you with can't all do the anything. I feel right. like that's a hundred percent. I th I'm I'm loving what you're saying right now because it's reminding me of the situation I kind of found myself in recently with writing my movie. I had mm -hmm. never um, 
written a movie before. I'd only written plays and such, but it's just one of those things I could, and I could have spent time in there being like, oh, let me get into a bunch of different film writing classes or screenwriting classes before I do this. Let me, let me read a book. And I was like, no, I don't want to, I'm just going to use what I know about playwriting and what I know about acting, what I figured out about directing. And yes, it's not for film, but let's see if I can use it and just made something. And I wasn't afraid of it being bad. I wasn't afraid of it. Oh no, I was afraid. Let me, let me be honest. Let me, let me rewind that. I was afraid of it being bad. I was afraid of it being good enough, but I did not let that stop me from not doing it. And um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people and, and it just kind of where I'm at. So I think we're on the same wavelength with that. Like I'd rather just get in there and just try it, use what I know to get to where I want to be. And some people are just like, no, I want to plan this out. I want to make sure it can be perfect. And, and it works for some people. I'm not necessarily, I don't like that. That's not where my brain goes. But, um, but yeah, I feel like I, I think there is a, there's a beauty in taking risks like that. Because Absolutely. you learn in the risk. Absolutely. You learn if, you, in the risk, yeah. if we spend all our time planning. Now I'm a planner. Here's the funny thing about me. In my day job, I'm a planner. It's my job to plan. So in oh, yeah, I'm a teacher as well. Yo, Doreen, right, we are right? clicking right now. I'm a teacher. I know. My whole I, is based off of plans. Right. <laughs> you have to schedules, plans, yeah. all of it, right? So that's awesome. And then you get to go to creative and you get to like flip, flip it, you know? And it's like you get to just be in the moment, you know? And that's what I love about singing for me personally. As a vocalist, sometimes you get to just sail over the beat. There's no plan. Right, you know what the song Especially is. Especially black people when they sing. Right, you, you, uh, I mean. Yeah, it, it's true, so you, <laughs> it's true. Go to a black I, church, I, spend five minutes in a black church and tell me if everything they sing up there is rehearsed. Right, right. Because I'm telling you, vocal um, instrumentalists that can play under a black gospel choir are some of the most talented people because you do not know wow. what that choir director is going to make them do. You better be ready because it's going to change in an instance. And, and if the Holy Ghost about, comes in, it's a wrap. That, oh, it's, everybody. yeah, y'all better be listening yeah, because but, they're going to go higher than, I, I was not raised in the church and that's and my <laughs> unique raising experience is completely different. And when I started singing in a spiritual center that happened to be uh, primarily African-American, I got to experience just the smidge of what even happens in a more, uh, you know, Baptist Christian type church with a full gospel choir. I mean, yeah, once, once that comes in, it's, it's a wrap y'all. You better, you, you have to get in where you fit in. And Literally. it'll be, and you'll look up, and it'll be an hour later, and she's still yeah. singing, <laughs> and he's still playing and following yeah. her, and I'm yeah. like, yeah. dang, yeah. how do you yeah. do that? But no, no, it's different. You just got to, you just got. Sometimes you just got to go. Yeah, and I go yeah. To white churches, and it goes exactly as it did in rehearsal. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> right, rehearsals like for the and once again going back to planning rehearsal is so we know the beginning middle and end whatever else happens is whatever else happens i was telling uh, i was working with an african-american vocalist in, in uh, california at a spiritual center i was working at and he was trying a new song and i finally said to him have you learned this song do you know this song and he said no and i said learn the song and then come back and break all the rules of it Wait, he came to a rehearsal. Wait, he came to a rehearsal without knowing the song. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, it it was sort of that. It was a very loose volunteer based type of thing, right? So it's still he, bold. I, yeah, it's it's not my he, way, he right? Uh, we at that time, I'm trying to think if we were at that time. Not a lot. If we were, okay, it was not well, a lot, any, right? Here's right? My, and, and we all had day jobs. Class unprepared. 
Well, see, this is the difference between people that are, right? So this is the difference between like actors and singers. A lot of singers can show up and wing it, right? He was that good of a singer. Mm-hmm. However, that's fair. not good enough to hold this particular tune off the way that he thought he could, right? Because it wasn't his normal vein. And mm-hmm. so I said, I go learn a song and then tear it up. I mean, let's look at somebody it. like Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the best, one, the best vocalist of our time. You can't, you can't. I'm argue so blessed that. to have seen her live. Can I tell you? I saw. Yes, I knew you. Were- <laughs> I was yeah in the '90s. Yes. You know, at her peak. So before, before, before the drugs got her, Bef- okay. way before the drugs. I was not way, not way. I watched her documentary. She was doing drugs back then. They just had well, yeah. She was always on drugs. Like we all saw the. We all. Uh, oh, and, and blessings to Bobby Brown's family. I just oh got a shout God. out because I just. Man. I that know. Absolutely. He yeah, never thought he'd be know. standing. He's the one standing. If you don't know, Bobby Brown, his son, Bobby Brown Jr., just passed away a couple of days ago. At the bad. age of twenty-eight. Yeah, he lost both of his children and his ex-wife. Blessings. I mean, it's just that's, five that's years, real out there. Five yeah. years of each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it, it devastating, just devastating. And I remember thinking, you know, back in the day with Bobby, we didn't think he'd last. And here yeah. he is still standing. So blessings. And what's really interesting family. about Bobby Brown is everyone thought in the time that he was a bad influence on Whitney Houston. And it wasn't until I watched that documentary, I was like, dang, no, it was it was completely the other way around. But she did an excellent job because when she was on that stage, she looked like America's angel and sweetheart. It really wasn't until like the 2000s we were like, oh, no, Whitney is the Whitney's got a we saw that jersey slip out a couple now and then she's got an edge. And, and, you know. Now, Whitney is a singer, my God. And, and this, as an actress, oh, it, it is I mean, right. It is insane. That woman, right. have you seen the video of her at the AMAs? It was night, it was 90s or 2000s early, where she did it was um where she did the medley of and I'm telling you, I love you, Porgy, and um um Ooh, no, and I will and um I have nothing. I can look that up. Oh, it is Ooh, well, I bet it's nominal and it's nine minutes of her just singing just with her in a blank stage and because i um back in the day um whitney houston actually auditioned for dream girls the movie and she wanted to play effie and back in the day i was i was so ignorant i was like whitney houston can play effie and i was like you know what i would have watched whitney in a fat suit sing that song Granted, Jennifer should have done it. Let me not say anything jennifer hudson i let jay hot is all of it that woman can sing let me tell you if Whitney Houston put on a fat suit, it probably would work. Now, let's talk about that. We're so like bounding around. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay, African-American women in cinema, right? We have enough fuller-figured women who can tear it up. Hashtag J-Hud. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's not full-figured anymore. No, no, but at the time, <laughs> right? At the time. And 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 actually, her people were like, you must say this way until. She, honestly, Jennifer no, just really that yeah. big. It's like me. We're bigger girl. for that movie, but she was never big. No, she wasn't as skinny as she got either. But she yeah. was like you know regular people. You know, yeah, she was not, she was normal walking down the street. Whitney was a beanpole. Yeah, you know, was a model, model body, right? So I I think there's something to be said about making room for all types of women of color. Oh, to perform these roles, right, and not 
to have someone put on a fat suit, right? If we're yes. talking about that for Asians and we're, you know, to have actual Asians portray Asians rather than Latinos doing Asians or vice versa, you know, making room for that. I think it's super important in the industry. Oh no, it's super. Representation matters. Oh, I 100% you know, agree because it goes beyond just having black roles. It goes beyond like, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, there's representation on TV, but if they all look like Carrie Washington, is there? Hello. Not to say Carrie Washington is not talented because I'm, I'm a fan of hers, but there's dark skinned talented women. There's dark, there's um, light skinned talented women. There's dark skinned men. There's, and just, there's so much talent and just range and variety out there that we need to start making room for that. And not yes. just saying because everyone on there is high yellow. Oh, that's black representation. No, that's really right. Not. Right. I, for one, am barely black representation. And I mean it in the most loving way to myself and others. And that has to do with my raising because culturally, you know, I was not raised by an African-American family. Mm. So I have a whole different perspective and a whole level of privilege because of that raising. Cause I was on the front lines of what it means to be Caucasian. Mm. Right. So I, I learned code switching later because I had these things in me I wanted to express, but the Caucasians I was around weren't, weren't ready for it. As soon as I met people of color and mass, meaning like not the one friend down the street, but like coming to New York City and meeting all kinds, then I could express myself in more of a genuine way, which really is both and, right? So I could uh, get loose with all kinds of people and have a great time and, and just be my more of my authentic self. And yet also knowing that because I was raised with Caucasians that that's also authentically me. So when I walk into a room of Caucasians, I have way less to get over than someone who was not raised in that environment because I understand it intimately. So I know what's expected. I know the rules, if you will, you know, all that type of stuff. Not that that should even be, but it, it is privilege. And then being high yellow, or as my other friend likes to call me, he calls me big red. <laughs> Shout out to my homie. Uh, you know, he, whichever way you see it, it, it's light skin privilege. And so when I'm around and if there's a choice between someone like myself and someone with a darker skin tone, that, that colorism does happen. You know, oh, it yeah. does. And so many people don't realize that. So many people don't see that it's a breakdown. I talked about this with Diamond a couple of weeks ago, just this whole idea that um, we have to ensure that everyone is in the room. That yes. makes space. Um, I'm working on a project right now and I made it a choice to make that um, my actors would be black and they're, and they're black, black. <laughs> and that's what I wanted. I didn't, right. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to have a love story about two dark skinned black people. And that's what I wanted. Two chocolate we, black people. Because it, it's, it's so, so rare that we see it. We need to see it normalized mm-hmm. because it is normal. We are falling in love all the time. Mm-hmm. People of color are, okay, all the time mm-hmm. in all different ways. I love me some black on black love. I just, mm-hmm. mm, I do, you know? And I didn't know that as a young person because all the messages I was getting were very negative, especially in theater. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of racism, a lot of experiences I had where people were not uh, open you know, to, to what I had to offer because they were looking at this first, this face, this hair, this nose, these lips. And they were like, absolutely not. There's no room for you here, you know? And now ironically, like I've got the look, if you will. Mm-hmm. This nose, these lips, this hair is what they want now. But many years ago they did not, you know? And so 
I can't even imagine what it's like to be, and, and this is where it's helpful, I think, or where I hope to be helpful. Because I am a woman of color and because I understand intimately implicit bias, you know, uh, latent racism in myself and others, that I understand what's going on in the room sometimes. And other times I do miss it. And I try to use my privilege to bring consciousness to the room. Privilege and spirituality. To say, okay, maybe that's not the best way to say that. Do we hear what we just said or what we're thinking? You know, uh, making space for women of color and darker skin tones to be up front, amplifying their voices, even before my own. I think that's super important. Uh, black women are often the toughest people in the room who are looked at last. You know, sort of like when you're on the playground and everyone's doing dodgeball, it's like, who do I want on my team? I don't know that we're choosing black women first until now. I mean, real talk, right? Oh, that's real. That's, I, I'm just saying. And so we didn't even know we were doing it. And that's part of the implicit bias and a lot of the tra training and conditioning that's been done to people, humans across the globe. In America specifically, because we're American, we know what that's like here. So I can't speak to how they're doing it, you know, in Europe or in Russia, but in general, we know some information due to the internet. And then we know how it is here in America. And so a Kerry Washington or a Viola Davis, you know, there's like one. Mm. And for every one of those. There's 20 different white actors. Exactly. I'm and we're not normalizing, yeah. right? We're, we're all for like, oh, let's have this be interracial. But it's like, well, why not have this lead be black and that lead be black? Mm -hmm. Oh, right. let's talk about that because the issue is that it's so about selling and just because they because there's still people out there that don't think black people can sell. Right. And, right. I, and I'm so glad that shows like Blackish are is successful. And I'm so glad that shows like um, The Shy and um, Insecure are so successful that are rooted in black casts. And we're showing that we are we we write excellent content, but we can also be commercially successful. Because mm -hmm. if you look at those, like Insecure is one of the biggest shows on HBO. Blackish is one of the biggest shows on ABC. And, and I think it just takes more of us creating those. And that's been, that's why I do what I do. Because I want to put Black people on the forefront to show that we can make stuff that isn't just singing and dancing and like has to do with drugs. It's just, um, it's just black people being human. Um, have you seen this movie Jingle Jangle on Netflix? I have not. However, well, for any of you there. out there who haven't, but it's an excellent movie. It's a Christmas movie by David E. Talbert. He's an up and coming director. And he wrote this quote, I'm gonna read it to you. And he said, um, we were unapologetic in the representation we wanted, but it has nothing to do with any of that, Talbert says. It has everything to do with the humanity and the heart of these characters who happened to be black, not black characters who happened to have humanity. And that meant everything yes. to me because I was thinking, and it made me think back to all these movies that feature black actors. They're all, and the ones that white people love, 12 Years a Slave, Moonlight. It's always about these trauma filled stories. Well, let me, you know what? Let me take Moonlight out of there, not Moonlight, Green Book. Um, it's all about these trauma filled, race filled stories driving Miss mm -hmm. Daisy, 
they because it, it continues the narrative, narrative of right so and i was going to say before you uh, talk about jingle jangle i was going to jump in i'm like let's talk about that narrative especially yeah. when you talk about the drug adult you know oh my the, gosh the they white savior the narrative boys in the hood um they um, want to see, because the thought is that writers, that's all we are all those movies. exactly mm-hmm. they love mm-hmm. saving us they love seeing us come yeah from nothing even though and they it, didn't right right bootstrapping right mm-hmm. even though the acknowledgement isn't there that they put us there if you will now i gotta be careful because a girl's half white okay so not only am i raised caucasian but i actually am half caucasian okay so both sides so when i say i have to say we we put black people there we put them in the hood we put them in the ghetto we put drugs in their hands we funneled drugs and guns hey ronald <laughs> funneled okay yeah. drugs consciously and drugs if you don't know this story you need to stop what you're doing pause this and go watch the 13th on netflix if you don't know what we're talking about go watch that it'll break it down for you in 90 minutes better than we can right now i will do that myself because i i've been meaning it? to, it's on my list no i haven't i Yo, just know you know, no, i gotta you watch it i know you're done with this tonight before you go i will do that i will do that you need to excellent watch the 13th. it'll change your and i think I, ha- I had to be ready because yeah. you know these things are emotional and and that's something that someone brought up to me um i think it was you thomas actually i think you on facebook were like stop doing these posting these things it's reach about george floyd it's re-traumatizing oh oh people. it was me oh yeah let me yes, let me talk yes. about that i was like tell i was getting truth. pissed off because um every five minutes i was seeing that video of him being with that mm-hmm. dude's knee on his neck mm-hmm. and i'm like mm-hmm. and i understood why people did it because if people had not shared it, it would not have lit the fire that it needed to lit to light. But the fire had already been going. We need to stop. That video is done because we are literally showing the lynching of a black. Right. And Correct. we're making it new. And we are, and we are, it's, it was, it's trauma porn. Right. And, right. and it was right. giving white people just be like, oh my God, I'm so sad. But what are you doing? <laughs> are you cutting black people a check? Are you that black business real oh, talk they can't say the n-word are, but are you still supporting kanye i'm really sorry if you're doing all these things what you're just tr- promoting trauma porn by showing his video and i was done with that i was tired of seeing that video and th- i think that was one of my most popular facebook posts i mean i'm not clout chasing or anything it was and i think and once i started doing that i stopped seeing it on my feed which is great which i'm excellent I don't know if it was for me, but I, I did stop seeing that video a lot. Maybe people hid me from it. I don't know. But either way, I was glad. Well, I, you know, it's not something I would ever post. I would never do that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I don't, I often don't. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know if, I don't think I post. No, I didn't post it. I don't think I've ever posted anything about that. I, I post like the articles and stuff in regards to it if I find something interesting, but I would mm-hmm. never post that video. It was just too much. Me neither. I just it, it, of anyone, of any being, any color, any humans doing that to yeah. each other, and so really specifically here, what we're talking about, like you said, is furthering that narrative. Yeah. So I think we need to step in and say, you know, even as actors and and as writers and as directors, performers, all kinds of artists, what are we doing this for? And I, if I may, since we've already gone here, I'm like, well, let's go in. Let's talk about music industry practices for a moment. Now, I know the world is changing. However, within the changing of streaming and all that, such as Spotify or whatnot, they are not paying artists a fair royalty for the usage of the, of the music. No. 
and major artists have commented on this, like Taylor Swift and what have you. It's like it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, she's having she's to like re-record um, Scooter Braun. I don't really know this whole story, um, but um, Scooter Braun basically sold all her masters. At least that's what she wrote on Twitter, and she's having to re-record all of her old stuff. Isn't that crazy? So that, that you so that you can actually pay Taylor versus paying Scooter. I mean, and I that a white girl. Yeah, yeah. Imagine See, what's just, happening to those black people without names. Trust. And yeah. then let's go further. This is white executives doing this. Let's talk about TLC. Mm-hmm. That was black executives. Mm-hmm. Okay. We all know what happened to TLC. Bless our little left eye. She's no longer with us. And those girls ended up broke. Those women, excuse me, they're women. And that was black executives. Mm-hmm. Now, those those black executives will try to tell you with a straight face, well, we were in a production deal with, you know, whoever the big major company was. Doesn't matter. On your watch, Miss Pebbles and the others and the team signed young black women artists to a deal that left them broke. Tony Braxton. Multi-million dollars. Over yeah. and over. Prince had to re-record, you know, mm-hmm. may he rest in peace, our brilliant Prince. You know, all of, so many people were not getting their due. So there are the ones that talk about it and the ones that don't talk about it. There's the multi-million dollar successes and the ones that were mid-range that we don't even know, you know? And then we've got Millie Vanilli, the sidebar over there, okay? I'm not even sure if the original vocalist was black, I'm not sure but a ghost vocalist recording for two black males used by a white male in Europe to be famous, to make lots of money. And then they asked and asked and asked to sing and he said no. And then when he was, it was gonna be found out that that's what they had done, he turned on the vocalist and made it look like it was them. That guy has a career out of Millie Vanilli. One of them is deceased, may he rest in peace. And the other one doesn't have a career that he could have had, had his name not been tarnished in that scandal. This is what's happening to black vocalists and musicians. Martha Wash did all of the black box recordings, yet in the video, they put a skinny African-American woman in the video, but it was Martha Wash who sang. Mm. These are consistent practices of ripping off, because I'll say it, ripping off, uh, bamboozling, if you will, you know, what's the word? Um, um, misdirecting artists. Black artists. Black artists in particular. It does also happen to Caucasians and others. It does. It's, it's, a, it's too much money for individuals. It's across the industries. You've got pay gaps between, I would say, an African-American star and a Caucasian star. You know, these, these, this is nothing new, but this is what we're doing. And so, like you said, not only are you cutting African-American a check, are you cutting them a check equal to that of a Caucasian star? Mm. Is Viola Davis making the same money that, say, J-Lo is? Not that no. she's Caucasian, no. she's Latina. No, but, you know be, what I mean, right? It, right? No, you can, please do not compare <clears throat> Viola Davis to no. J-Lo. I'm saying, no, it's Street. not about skill. It's not no, no, about no, but it, no, but it is, though. No, but it is, though, I think. because I'm I talking about the like... money. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you've got a black woman who's completely skilled and a Latina woman who is not as skilled, who's making more money. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And then we do the light and bright, which we do to JLo and we do to Beyonce mm. that Viola doesn't do, you know, but we like to light and bright our peoples, right? And lighten them up. And then you've got Caucasians. I'm trying to think of her age range, Sandra Bullock or uh, Nicole Kidman, you know, in that right, what are they getting paid, mm. you know, right? 
Nicole could minister a certain level of skill. You know, there's a, there's a you know a real craft going on there. So when you look at that, are are those payments equal? Is no, because I mean, let's look at Monique. I can remember what happened. Oh, that's the back. thing. Let's talk about Monique. Let's go in on Monique. Like, yes. Um, granted, I don't know if she. I don't know. I think there's things there that we still don't know. And I think there's another there because right now all we're hearing is her side because Tyler Lee Daniels and Oprah have been very quiet about it. So I'm sure they've got another side too. And in between both sides, we'll find the truth. So right now all we're getting is Monique's side. So I'm sure there's an opposite side. And once we hear everyone's side, we can come to like, oh, this is probably what happened. But let's but, talk about Monique because I love that. Yeah, because Netflix, because mm-hmm. Netflix, they offered her a low ball number and she was yes. like, oh, I'm an Oscar award winning actress, but yet you're giving Amy Schumer who's like only been in the game for five or six years as a popular, maybe not even that long as a mm-hmm. popular household name, you're giving her like almost twice as much you're giving me. And they're like, well, she'll sell. Right. They were like, talking about the, yeah. right. They were like the anticipation, right? Cause Monique was out of the game for a little bit. Mm-hmm. They were talking about the anticipation for Amy Schumer showing up. And the thing yeah. was that Amy Schumer's thing flopped. It was horrible. Apparently. Yeah. So, uh, cause I don't think she Net- Netflix and, and trying, when she put that up, you know, Netflix and trying to defend their position, that's all I could say. It's, well, yes, you are a legend. So she was saying, well, who else are legends? And they were like, Chris Rock, legend. So-and-so, legend. Is Amy Schumer a legend? No. Mm-hmm. Yet Monique is a legend. And yet we're going to lowball Monique. And Monique says, well, what am I going to say to the women who are coming after me if I accept that lowball? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Monique has a long career. Her role in Precious is un paralleled yeah unparalleled you cannot deny the 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 amount of skill yeah you cannot right i think this is my personal opinion of where this went wrong for monique what she should have said rather than boycott netflix was tell netflix you want me because Mm. that's something we can get behind because nobody was giving up their netflix we all got addicted Mm. so had tell them you want me that would have drove the price up because they would have seen on social how many of us wanted to. But they also need to know black people come out. We support each other. That's, but that's what she needed. She needed to say, support me and tell Netflix you want me because we would have done that, okay? Secondly, with the whole, in regards to the whole Oprah and Tyler Tyler thing, okay. At that time, she was a bona fide star. Yeah. And she did not leave the house for no money. And I am not mad at her for that. I hear you, sister. I hear you. She was paid to walk on any stage bank. Yeah. Okay. What she didn't know and what no one sat her down in a loving way from what I can tell and said was, sis, we know, girl, we know you got you. But we know this is what we call the Hollywood game. It makes no sense. It is free work. All of us do it. Here's the thing. If you do it, I will pay you. Or if you do it, you will have success beyond what you even thought you could have here. It's, I'm not saying it's right. It's sort of like the casting couch, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the PR trip. And this is how they do it. I don't know why it's done that way, but what I've seen is- And it's wrong. And it's wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. We can work together to change it. But right now, while we're riding high, let's- play the game yeah. and then and let's change it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel but bad. I really the do. The thing is, is that's not what happened. And then no. no one's coming out to support it, afraid of their, you know, bottom dollar line, right? Or bottom line dollars. 
you know, Tyler or Oprah, who could have paid her out of their own pockets if she really needed, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, I mean, Oprah could have paid her. Tyler Perry alone could have paid her. Like, you know, I mean, you know, come on. He has. And the, granted, mm-hmm. that's the thing I do. We don't know the, all we know right. is Monique's side. Right, exactly. And, but but exactly. she did, uh, we, um, oh, and you know, we have to talk about that, the emails too. Because I, I, it's so funny, I've never talked to anyone about this. I'm like, these are things I was churning, right? She said, when people call me in and I can relate to this, they want me. So when Lee Daniels was like, I have this part for you, never in my wildest dreams, I think I had to audition. And yeah, I knew what she meant. Point, you don't have to audition anymore. That's what she meant. She's like, I'm, yeah. I'm a bona fide, you know, not, not to be rude, but she's a bona fide star. She's an Oscar. Yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, Lee Daniels calls for for uh, Empire. She's like, yeah, like, it's a done deal. Oh, I forgot about the Empire thing. I forgot about that. Right? So that was the other thing. She was like, I, it, you know, you have to understand, like, at the level I was at, that was common practice was to say Monique come down do this not Monique come down audition for this and I understand that and the thing was is I think a Caucasian can say that and everyone's like yeah of course and a black woman says it and all of a sudden it's like whoa you don't deserve but also she said it after the I think the issue was she said it like three years into Empire and at a certain point I could not see anybody else Monique's a great actress, don't get me wrong. But I cannot see anybody else's cookie lying except for Taraji P. Henson. Right. Who doesn't love Taraji? So who was She's going amazed. to stand up? Who was gonna stand up and be like, oh, I could actually see what so no, she said it at it the was, wrong time. It was just right, like, right. Yeah. Mute point. She got to the point, it was a mute point at that point. Had she yeah. done it at the beginning and fine. But the other thing too is I think that the third thing, this is why I want to go in on Monique. The third thing is that she had her husband in the room. And to my understanding, her husband was not a bona fide executive or professional, you know, manager or what have you. Well, he's he's her manager, right? But he doesn't have a track record prior, to my knowledge. Yeah, right? no, that's why I said he's her manager. Exactly, that's- right? He's her husband first, right? And then yeah. manager. So my understanding is that he doesn't have a professional track record. You cannot walk into Hollywood rooms without a professional. You are not taken seriously. That's just you know ground level, right? And so she made that choice and then was trying to defend it. And I think with all of her dialogue, I'm not saying that she doesn't have a point. I'm saying that she walked into an existing system expecting it to change and it would not for her. For, then, yeah, because she's a black woman, because had this been Sandra Bullock, had this been Cameron Diaz, who like at the, t- I, mean, I think Cameron Diaz is a perfect example. She's not I really think you working- have to go male on this. I have to think you have to go, man, I don't think they would have done it for another woman. Oh, really? Interesting. I, you know what oh, I mean? Like, I who think- do you think could have done it? Who was at that level? Because Monique wasn't a, I think her household name status, she's kind of fluctuated with her career. Like she did the Parkers mm-hmm. and she was hot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then she did um, press that she was hot, but then she really hadn't done, she didn't do anything. She had a couple of movie roles here and there, but she wasn't like it out there. So I'm trying to think of because somebody. Because of refusing to do PR for Precious. Yeah, well, they, that's yeah. why she blacklisted, if you will. Yeah, so um, we need another term, but she got on the list. So my thing is, I'm trying to think of an actor who was at, who was basically like had those ebbs and flows, but could have walked into the room and like demanded that someone like I can't think of somebody. Right, because you're because you're talking about a woman coming with her husband. Excuse me, <clears throat> I got a frog in my throat. Sorry about that. Yeah, we both Dry had it at here. the same time. You're right, good. <laughs> um, but you know, you're talking about a woman and her husband, and that's not something that's. I don't think, common, not that I've been common, in the Hollywood rooms, common. but common or respected. Even if you were a top female name, having your husband come in without the professional 
contacts and pass and understanding of how to negotiate, mm -hmm. it's not respected, I don't think, at that level, because they were at a high level. That's the time you bring in your top, hitter. the heavy hitter, yeah, okay? You, you bring your heavy, right? Yeah. You can bring your husband too, but also your heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. And you call your husband your personal manager and you call the heavy hitter your business manager. And you let your business manager do the work. Handle the business. And, right? And the personal manager's there for you. And then you all can talk, you know? And it's time for your personal manager to learn while they're in the room from the business manager, okay? So I think that, that those are my personal, like these are errors that I think were made. And honestly, with the Netflix, had she just asked us to support her, I think it would have landed better. So I think there was a bit of a... a trying to call out for support, but not sure how to do it, you know? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't calling out. I don't, I think. Mm, or calling out these big, big people. Cause it wasn't backup. calling out for support. Cause calling out for support would have been like what you had said. Right, right. She's calling out these big companies without support. Yeah, exactly. She didn't, she didn't, there was no plan. Like she was, she and her husband went calling out these big companies. It wasn't Oprah and Lee and Tyler behind her. Mm -hmm. Oh, That's if it was, was it would have been totally different. Totally different. Because all now, it would have taken is one call from Tyler Perry and she would have gotten her check. Or Oprah or Oprah would have been like, cool, I'll put you on my network. Right, right. Yeah. Like, right, you know what I mean? So Which now, is what we should be doing. It, and I, that's and why this is so frustrating. Because if, if that they left her alone, a white woman, it would have been totally different. Like that group would have gotten together. Had that been um, Renee Zellweger or something okay. Right. They would have gotten around her and HBO would have been like, we're going to give you an opening night special on HBO Go. Disney Plus even, they would have they would have come together around her. Right, someone else would have seen the talent and snatched it up because it was worth money to them. Even, if we do not stand for each other, no one yes. stands for us. Because why And no one came to her defense. Her. And then I'm sorry, sweetie. And then when the biggest names in Black Hollywood were nowhere to be found for whatever reason, I don't know their reason because they have never said it, so I, I don't know, for whatever reason, they did not. She was left alone. And right. if she did something wrong, I don't know. I, I, I do. Right. No one called her out on either side except for Whoopi. I think Whoopi was like, Sister Girl, I, I told you. So I think Whoopi was the one who took her aside. But I think she yeah. needed like full intervention. I think they all should have met with her. You know what yeah, I mean? And that's the thing. We don't, and that's the thing. Be, black people, if we don't stand for each other, we are out alone. And right. we have to have a network of us that stands by and helps each other. Because white people have that. Whether or not you know that, the, whether or not you know it exists, y'all got it. It's implied. Oh, yeah. Right? They're protected. Think especially of like, white women. Especially yeah, white right. Women. Especially Caucasian women. Think of yeah. like how they're out there and they just do what they do and say what they say. Mm -hmm. And, and the cost. Know. I mean, I think of the Kardashians and I don't like to bring up their names. So I'll say it only once. But well, these women get to say anything mm -hmm. and still have a career. That's just the long and short of it. Anything, mm -hmm. right? People on the Real Housewives, on the Caucasian versions, mm -hmm. say anything, anything, okay? And still have, it, still have it. The black women, African-American women on uh, Real Housewives, all well, the They say one thing, it's done. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's done, oh, they gotta you know, shut those girls down. They're this, they're that. There are white women behaving badly on a consistent basis on Bravo consistent white women with money and power behaving very badly but a black woman does half of what they do with half the money people. half the power or less and it's like skewer time and Come it's on. interesting because um what i know about bravo isn't atlanta the most popular one but yet they treat them like 
<laughs> Throw them out like trash. Yeah, no, it's, that's the story of a black woman. These are the things to watch. And, and what I want to be um, conscious here too is I think that we have to go back to what you said about the network and supporting each other. Oh, we the have to. The only way, right. And, and not supporting because like it's the hot thing to do right now, right? Mm -hmm. But finding, because just because, let's be, be really real about this, just because we're African-American doesn't mean we all have the same idea about how a thing gets done. Not all skin folk is kin folk. Correct. Because of that, we have to find like-minded other people. We may have to work harder. We may have to do that. And it's worth it to support others in your community because together we rise. That's the difference, right? By speaking out what we're for rather than what we're against and putting all our energy towards what we're for moves us further towards that. And we could get into all kinds of things about Black enterprise in terms of how that's been discouraged and dismantled you know, disbanded, you know, invaded upon. Black folks were creating their own banks and their own neighborhoods and whatnot, and people came and took those away because they realized that was the way to freedom. Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Look it up if you don't know. All that. So those type of things, that's all part of it. And when we look at the leadership in the company, the, the, the country right now, that, and leadership, I'm using the term loosely because I don't see leaders right now. You know, oh, the black community does not have a leader. That's part of our problem. Well, uh, not even in the black community. I'm talking about the whole America, you know, uh, the administration, well, I, right? Well, I'm going to take it even a step further. But yes, the yes. civil rights movement, the reason why it was so successful, and it's sad because we're still, we're still in that fight and we've never really left the civil rights fight. It has a different name. But the reason why that one was so big was because we had a face of Martin Luther King Jr., my friend Jade brought this to my attention and I've, and I've really thought about this. We don't have a face of what we're doing right now. And it's because if there's so much infighting with what we're doing and everyone's got a different view and we don't have a concise vision and we don't have a concise person to be like, this is what we stand for because everyone's out for themselves. And, and that's that is part why, of the... And it, we will not get to where we need to be until we unite. And, and I think we're gonna have to unite. There's gonna have to be somebody and I think it's going to be someone young, and I think it's and it's going to be a black woman. It will. It just will. Um, and they and they have to be the forefront because right because white people have that. <laughs> we don't have that anymore. We need that. We need. We you. also have to rely on ourselves because a national figure. I think of Obama. I just as you're talking, I'm like I think that was what Obama was for a lot of people, and it didn't end up that way. That's what they thought it was. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can thank Mitch McConnell for that. The national level, <laughs> you know, of uh, of behaviors. I think we have to look regional and we have to look local, and we have to be the change we want to see. Oh, and it starts small. Level. I love that. That's right, why. Um, that's mm -hmm. why people like um, Stacey Abrams and I've talked about them a lot recently, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Latasha Brown have been so huge in this election because they single-handedly those women went state across that state of Georgia and flipped that thing blue. And they didn't do it by, they didn't do it on CNN. They didn't do it on, on right. MSNBC. They did it by in those, in those suburbs, in those small towns, talking to people. And right, it because it's, you need to connect. It's a 10 year project. We need to connect as individuals and as humans. How can you see what someone nationally, especially, you know, because even when MLK was alive, it was a smaller population. Mm. The population has grown so vast. And with the internet, we're global. There's and everyone's opinions can just be 
put out there in a moment's notice. Everyone's competing for your attention internationally, nationally, right? So, so what is it here in our communities that we need, you know, that we're looking for? And how are we connecting there? Whether it be in an acting community, in, you know, in a performing community, in a political community, you know, what, you know in, a, in a family community, you know, what, what are we looking for? I think those are questions we have to answer for ourselves and then connect with people there just to, so we get more of what we wanna see in the world. If we can't stand back and just say, oh, this sucks, you know, and that's, you know, we, we, and I'm not talking from a, speaking from a place where I'm super involved, right? What I do try to do wherever I am, in whatever room I'm in, and a lot of times they are, they are Caucasian rooms, is to be a force of love and good. To, to model a possibility for Black women. I'm just a possible, I'm just one of the things. I'm not everything, I'm just a thing. You know, uh, I have, because I have Caucasian relatives and I have the blessing of knowing them since they were babies, you know, I see the next generation much more comfortable, you know, your age and younger, much more comfortable around all types of people. In my own family as a young person, I had to deal with racism in various forms on a consistent basis. And so going through that, it makes me sensitive to all sides. And then coming into this, this period of wokeness of hashtag me too, and you know, white privilege and you know, all of this consciousness, we weren't thinking that many years ago because it wasn't, nobody wanted to hear it. It's the young folks that are bringing it through loud and clear because they want to be seen LGBTQIA plus, 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 right? They want new names for things. They want everyone to be included. Right? They want to marry who they want to marry with not even a comment from the parents. You know, This is what the young people want. And it's super, super important that they move forward and continue to push for that. They're showing us that there is value in anything we can create within our own minds, whether it be a pronoun, a gender, sexuality, you know, and at the end of the day, love is love, right? So that's where I'm standing in terms of when I'm meeting individuals, if I can be a loving being to whoever is in front of me, then I have the chance to shift minds. That's what we're looking for here is to shift minds of individuals because it's not corporations that, you know, click on this or click on that on social, it's individuals. And they may be leading the horses to the water but ultimately the horse has to drink it and make that choice. So we're not saying there's not a lot of hurting going on. There is, there's a lot of hurting going on in these social platforms. We as individuals have to break through and make different choices and rely on our own instincts, not what we're being fed, not following what we're fed. We need to start questioning and think critically again. And if we don't know what critical thinking is, we have to look that up and really start to practice it. And we have to practice active listening to people. With this new dialogue in America, we don't listen, we shout, we tweet, you know? And I, I see such brilliant tweets. I mean, people are so smart. I'm like, wow, in one line, they have deconstructed the entire administration or something that someone said or brought a, a movement to its feet. We're so smart. And yet we haven't figured out the loving end of this. We have got to love each other through us, regardless of our labels, right? Bringing us closer together. So yes, Caucasians have done some stuff and it ain't cute. We have, 
Blacks have done some stuff, African-Americans have done some stuff and it ain't cute. Yes, we have, right? And yet we also at the same time are doing beautiful, brilliant, amazing black person magic stuff all over the place. And we need to exalt that. A lot of us default to the European narrative, you know? And it's not, we don't have to do that. Well, a lot of us don't, well, because you don't know that there's other narratives. And that if, is- Because if all right. you're shown is the European narrative, I mean, that's all you know to default to. Of course, because there's this idea, the white is right idea, right? That that's the way to be, right? So. How, how do we, and, and even my question to you, because you've been asking me questions, I haven't asked, you know, my question to you was how do you, as a, as a black male at this time in society, how do you feel about that white narrative, you know, that white is white narrative, and how do you navigate that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to answer this as a black creative, because I was actually going to ask you the same question. Oh, okay. And I'll answer, um, we'll answer. Mm -hmm. I think for me is, I just try to live in my authenticity the best way I can, and, and make sure that everything I create works against the European narrative and, and the Europe, the Eurocentric narrative because, and I try to write to the best of my knowledge and I try to ensure that I'm giving opportunities to people and I'm trying to make sure I give, and I'm, yeah, I just try to, be authentic in what I create, give opportunities to give opportunities that go against the Eurocentric um, ideas. And I try to ensure that I just live my best life. And I think nowadays, and just being a black male that's successful and thriving is breaking that Eurocentric narrative because a Eurocentric narrative does not want that for me. It wants me to be at the bottom, but I'm not, I'm going to refuse to do that. I'm rising to the top and I'm taking other people with me that do, that look this, that, that are not, are not in that Eurocentric mindset to the top. Cause that's not where they want us. I think that's how we break it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that makes sense. I think I said a lot, but. No, I think, I think there's something to be said about, okay. So once again, looking at four, cause I encourage you to shift your language a little bit that you're four bringing in a different narrative that you're for raising mm. yourself up and raising others around you in your community mm. right to aim aiming higher and connecting and doing good together bringing everyone along with you when we move into that kind of dialogue we we inspire others and mm. our energies are higher rather than lower because we're fighting against we're like pushing down it's the the imagery i'm getting pushing down when we're raising up you know, we're lifting ourselves and others up. We're showing a different way. And so for me personally, when I'm speaking to anyone, I'm looking for the way to, to raise the vibration, if you will, to raise the level of what we're speaking about, to raise it intellectually, to raise it emotionally, to raise it personally, to raise it mentally, you know, to raise it up, to lift it. So I get, uh, you know, uh, individuals who I'm coaching vocally, who might say, you know, I'm challenged by this piece or I'm not sure what to do here or should I do this or should I do that? And my question is, you know, back to them is, well, what do you think you should do? And there's no should here. What do you think would work and why? Immediately, I put it back on them. I'm not taking responsibility for your career, right? I want you to. 
I want you to see yourself in action and, and your brilliance. Then if they're a little stuck, I'll say, okay, for homework, think about this. I'll look at their lyrics, I'll look at their vibe. You know, I've had a trans vocalist who was really adamant about sharing their journey through the vocal change process. And was trying to, do I record now and then re-record later? Do I not? Those type of things. Go back to your story. What's the story you wanna share? Everything you're telling me is you want to take everyone through the process. So the recordings earlier are just as valid as new recordings you'll do of different songs and we can go on the journey with you. You can have two versions of each song showing your vocal changes also. It's up to you, you know? And so by encouraging other people's voices, they go back and they do the homework and they come back and they go, I've got it. This is what I wanna say. You know, I said this first, but I've changed it. Or yeah, I'm gonna stay where I was. It's helping other people clarify their own visions. What's for them to do, right? So what's for me to do is to speak like this, to speak out in a, in a forum such as this with you, with people of color and people all over the world, whatever their background is, to say, hey, I see you. I see the light in you, I see the love in you. And I'm not gonna say it doesn't get real sometimes. I'm not gonna say that I don't fall off of that sometimes and I get a little, mm, how mighty Karen of you to say this thing or do this thing or how, how, how can of you, you know, that happens. And then I have to check myself, catch myself and try to do something in that moment that lifts up the vibration. And you would ask me about having a Karen story Oh yeah, do you want to transition? Okay, <laughs> Let's we transition, transition, right? I think that's a perfect transition. <coughs> so we're gonna transition into one of my favorite um, parts of the episodes. And we're gonna do a Karen or a Ken story. And in this case, um, <laughs> the way you set it up, it's definitely a Karen story. Where basically you tell a story about a white woman who tried you, as Karens often do. Karens are not new, but the name is new. And we've all experienced Karens. So Doreen, Let's have some story time with Doreen and you tell us your Karen did what story. Now, well, I've got so many. So I want to talk about Karens and Kens in theater, first of all. Mm. I have encountered uh, many, uh, especially at the academic level. Mm. Oh, uh, they who, yeah. they, oh, they, they Oh, they love to show their Karen and kidness when you write them a check. <laughs> they love the power. Mm. The, the, right, the power of professor. Mm. So I just want to kind of toss that out there. Terrifying. It's terrifying. It, it, because this is the time when you, these are baby minds you're molding. And so we're being trained as people of color to discount ourselves by some oh. of our professors, bless their no. hearts. Okay. No. And it I, was not until, and I don't know about you, but in it, I didn't realize it. And it was not until after I got out of it, I was like, dang, that was messed up. Mm -hmm. I'm doing right. a whole episode. Um, I'm planning to do a whole episode with um, three um, students of color who I went to school with. We're, we're literally just gonna talk about what's our experience being black creatives in that education system together and what that did for us. Cause that was interesting. I wanna just, can I just tune in to listen? I'm here oh, yeah, for no, that. No, 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 it will be. Oh, yeah, we'll I just wanna, oh, yeah. yes. I'm like, yeah. ooh. So um, I'm, I'm gonna say a friend of mine's story first and then we're gonna talk about another one I had said earlier and I've yeah, of course forgotten at this moment because we've been all over. But a friend of mine in college, because uh, that teacher's no longer there. So, because I was doing a little recon before I say any stories. And so 
this professor who I actually understood and got along with um, a friend of mine who I just is so talented. And she did a piece that I thought was utterly brilliant. I could see where she was going. The piece was about her experience as an actor in LA, not having a car, which you've experienced, Thomas, right? We all, we've all been there, right? I moved to LA without a car, but. So the idea of like public transportation and trying to, you know, get jobs acting, right? It was really great. The, and an African-American woman, young, I believe she was in her early 20s at the time, you know, maybe 2021. 20, and it, I, I, I was so excited by this piece because I thought it was so relatable and I could see where it could grow. I could really see it. And, and I think that that's my gift in, in, in a self-promo moment. I, I like, I love watching artists because I can see what's not all being shown. You know, I can see an actor and see what the potential is and where the growth is without it being shown to me. So I was thrilled. And the critique that my classmate got was to me personally, horrifying. One of my roles, and you know this from being in class with me that I took on in a community was of as an active coach outside of the framework of professor. Because I was an older student, a lot of kids like yourself turned to me and said, hey, what do you think? So it was inferred that there'd be a conversation later with Doreen. You know, it was just a, a gift that I was given. It's where I really discovered I love coaching. And I usually would say supporting what the professor had said, but expanding outward. And in this case, I said, ignore everything she just said. She is speaking to you from a Caucasian perspective. She has no idea. She cannot relate to what you're saying. What exactly and did she say? She was, she, I don't remember the exact words, but it was, she was, erasure. She was erasing my friend's story right in front of her. That is the only way for me to say it. She was erasing her. This doesn't have this and doesn't make sense to this. And I'm not sure what you mean by this and where that's going. And it was culture related. So I couldn't even hear the words because I was so upset that she could not see the validity of the piece in and of itself from a place of, I've never lived that way, so I don't know. And I, I dare to say it was her own white fragility at that time that she could not fathom what it was like to be a woman of color without transportation going from audition to audition. Which is privilege. Exactly, exactly. And so I was in such shock, I don't remember the exact words, but she was trying to, I don't even know if it's a word, invalidate, if you will, the entire experience right in front of the whole class. And that's what got me mad. So I told my friend after, because of course my friend's trying to process the, the critique because no one else, even other students of color, had got the critique that scathing for something that good. So I, said, I took her aside and I said, ignore everything she just said, we're gonna talk later. It's brilliant. You know, I was like, that's it, we're not, you know, no. And that's the power that professors have and they must be conscious of. You are molding young minds. You have to put yourself in check. Especially when you are a white teacher teaching Especially, black yeah. creatives. Because teaching mm -hmm. a black creative is not like teaching a black student math. Right. It's different. Because when you create, there's, and anyone that has created anything, whether you're a dancer, singer, whatever, you play a musician, you, you're, you play an instrument, you make clay 
pottery, whatever your degree is, if you're any sort of creative who creates anything, there is a level of yourself that you are putting into your art, no matter what you create. And being a person of color, that is going to come forward in your art in one way, shape or form. So if you are a white person critiquing that, you are in intuitively critiquing and whether it's intuitive or not, create critiquing a portion of who they are ethnic, ethnic, eth ethnically, you ethnically. Say, or, and you have to be cautious of that. Yeah, we can and say it, as, as and a, it cannot just be something that you are just like thinking about, like um, you were just thinking about, like, eh, it doesn't matter. No, no, it does matter. You need to consciously think about it, even if it means you take an extra 30 seconds to be like, hmm. How do I say what I'm about to say? Exactly. And that is so classes important. need to be taught on that. Yes. Yeah. In fact, There's I think so professors need sensitivity. Squashed. I'm sorry, what'd you say? There's so much talent that is squashed in those schools because of bad white professors. Not only squashed, left unnurtured, mm. left to, to neglected, if you will. Mm. Been there. Been there. Okay. Right? Just Been. left on your own. Because so, you're not, because you don't represent their vision of whatever it is that they want. Totally been there. Right. A lot of professors, unfortunately, and this is not to, because I, we have to talk about good professors after too, because I don't want it down. Um, you, you have to check in understanding that you're, that you are looking through the eyes of implicit bias and of privilege. You have to understand that. Once you can take that on, you can ask questions. Mm. And you can critique a performance based on what the individual is giving, right? This was a, oh, this young woman's personal experience. This wasn't like she made up some story, you know? You knew it was hers. And it, ha it was like at a bus stop. It was so good, such a good piece. And you have to be able to say, I don't know. So I feel like people in the medical profession get this. There's all this science, <laughs> right? And then someone miraculously gets up and walks one day after being paralyzed and, and you have to say, I don't know. I don't know what happened. All the signs said, never walking again. Oh, and a miracle came, right, here we are. So I don't know. I think that theater professors will be well served by saying, I don't know, when witnessing a piece of art from a person of color with a culture vastly different from your own. You know, and, and, and I mean, that goes to all groups because unfortunately where I was at college, they, it was all groups of people. So we got to see all kinds of things, you know, and just nobody got it as hard as that woman got it. And I was not having it, you know? And I saw, it, I witnessed it and it happened to me where there were scathing things said to us in the need, and this is what I would call unconscious bias, in the need to level someone's self up, right? So I was told I was doing props on a, a show and I, it was a huge number of props and I had kind of gotten roped into it and I didn't really want to do it, but I kind of needed to do it, you know, politically speaking. So I did it and it ended up being a really, really good move for me. And I told them I will deliver all of the props by this time by dress rehearsal 5 p.m. You know, I will not run the show. You'll have to get different runners, but I will make sure everything's done. So my deadline was like, I forget rehearsal, by rehearsal time on Thursday, dress rehearsal, you know, six o'clock call time. I had all my props delivered by four o'clock, everything done, okay? And I mean, and, and the same young lady I'm talking about came in, I have to give her a shout out, and painted this mural I needed done for me while she was sick. I mean, that's how great these kids were, okay? So I go in, I deliver it, and the, the um, 
Karen on duty, one of the Karens said, uh, oh, uh, well, I wish I could be done. And I, and this was in passing. So this person was, you know, going towards the rehearsal and I was coming out, you know, proudly that I had delivered ahead of schedule, you know, by a few hours, everything that I was asked, uh, requested to do so. And I smartly said, that's what we call planning. <laughs> See, they wouldn't have got, she, she would not have gotten that response with someone that was 19. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And they're used to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was their age, I was a peer. So I also got busted once by uh, um, the person that was running uh, one of the tech departments by being too familiar in speech. And this is what I, what I mean when I say level it up. So yeah, he read me. I said, hey, so-and-so, could we get this, that, and the other thing? You know, cause I'm used to being like in peer languaging. And I guess he was having a day and he was like, you do not address me as such. You will address me as professor so-and-so. And if you want something, this is the proper channel to do it. This is the way it's done. And I, without missing, missing a beat, said, Professor so-and-so, I wondered if it would be possible when you have time on your schedule, if I could have this light, this light, and that light for my project, it's due by this. So anytime between now and next Wednesday, you tell me when, and I will also email you a follow-up. Deadpan, right back to him. And he was like, and I was like, will that, will that be sufficient, sir? And he was like, it will. I said, thank you. Right in front of students and everyone. Don't try it. She's from New York. She had a life, you know? Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, okay. And he was in shock. Never again did he speak to me like that. Never again. So yeah, sometimes no, you could never power. do that. You could never, because they were used a 19 year old would be like, oh my God, I'm so, and would have cried and they would have been like yeah. vindicated and yeah. Yes, yeah. I was not letting it happen and it was not going to happen in front of other young students. Mm. You know, so in my most professional, I apologize, Professor So-and-so. Understood. That's a, that's a collegiate read. That yeah, collegiate yeah, I gave read. him right, yeah, I gave him right, all my education, Henny. I gave yeah. him all the education, you know, and, and, and that's the thing when, you know, it was like he was putting me in my place. And you could say- So many well, white professors in that they love doing that. Yeah, and I don't know that it was a brown moment for sure. Well, well no, I but do it is feel a brown moment. No, it is Because I am, right, because I am. So yes, exactly. Like, right. You right. don't want to call it all that, but the same token, you're like, you will not disrespect, disrespect no. me and yeah. also in front of these children. Yeah. You want your proper respect. I will give it to you. And then what will you do? That was me. So I said, oh, you want that? You can have it. I, you know, I can go there. Do you think I'm not able to go there? So ev here's what everyone in the room knew. Everyone in the room knew I knew my stuff. Yeah. And my respect went nowhere there were other young young people in the room those people never countered me no, you know nothing because i wanted my respect too i'm like i am not one of these 19 year old students getting around here i have come back to school by choice and i'm here to learn and so and my my request is valid it's within my right as a student we were told to go to you and ask for this you know and he and i were like besties after yeah. we were like besties, well, yeah, you know, he, you know? He knew. He knew. oh she's you know she don't play you know so i think those are um those I mean, the story, yeah, the story upon story, right? Well, thank you so much, Doreen. This, as usual, this has been such fun. We've been doing this for a lot longer than I think either one of us were expecting. And this conversation went places I don't think either one of us were expecting it to go, which is partly why I love doing this. Like, we have an idea. We both come in with ideas of what we want to talk about. But 
the spirit just kind of moves and we say what, what needs to be said. And, and I know some people out there are going to be blessed by what we said. And I'm so excited to like, listen back to this. And I've learned so much from you. Like you're still teaching me to this day, 10 years later. And I really appreciate you for that. How are you feeling? Thank you for saying. I, I'm so blessed to have been on your program. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, uh, I hope we have touched on things that people find inspiring and interesting and thought provoking, you know, and also loving. You know, I think that that's the note I want to end on is. I was just about you know, to ask I, you what do you want to end people with, but you, oh, okay, great. you keep taking the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's what do you want to send the people <laughs> uh, you know, he, we were creating today. This was an example of, of Thomas and I creating, right? I think we had a different idea of where we were going to go today. And then the creative spirit, you know, flew through us and we kind of went where it was meant to, to go, right? And so we were talking earlier about showing up and using the create creativity that's already within you. You know, there is a creative soul within you, whether or not you call yourself an actor, writer, director, singer, you know, performer, whatnot. We all are creative. And it's tapping into that energy to connect with other souls and share our gifts with other souls. If we go back in the day, we remember that people weren't, I mean, there was no Hollywood, right? hundred and something years ago, there was no Hollywood. So why were people doing plays, right? To entertain each other, to connect, to celebrate life, right? So in this time of COVID, I hope that we all don't forget that life is still happening. It's still good, it's still joyful, and there's much to celebrate. It reminds me of that adage, uh, the old saying, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to doesn't hear it, yeah, right, doesn't make a sound. That's like artists right now, right? Mm -hmm. If you're acting home alone and no one sees you, does that mean you're not an actor? You know, are you making a difference? And I'm here to say, absolutely, you are. Because by you, indulging your passion and being creative and joyful, you are sending those vibrations into the universe to other people. And without knowing it, you are encouraging others to do the same, even though they aren't in the room with you because that joy transfers. So when you're talking to other people at work, if you're working or when you do get a creative project, because you've been doing creative things at home, you have a joy about that. And that joy comes across. That's what Thomas has done for me. I have to tell y'all, Thomas kind of, you know, contacted me out of the blue. And this is, you're sort of watching our reunion, you know, like on <laughs> podcast, you know, or listening and watching, depending on uh, which, which uh, avenue you see You've seen Andy it. Cohen and we have an official reunion. Yeah, this is like, you know, you, the, the decade, you know, a decade later, you know, Thomas <laughs> Doreen, it's been a decade. And, and so we, we were just sort of free flowing around a lot of things. And what Thomas has brought to me is that youthful energy of creativity. He is, for me, more mature and more grounded, but also a lot of the same person I met, which is why you're able to, to listen to us do this, you know, which I love because it's kind of just who he is and who I am. We're just being ourselves. And I encourage you to do the same, whatever it is you love, do it, no matter what anyone says and no matter if anyone's watching. That's it folks. I mean, I can't say it better myself. Can you say, I want to hear you say that one more time. Do it no matter what. Do what you love for yourself, no matter if anyone is watching or not. It does make a difference. It, I really believe that. And reach out to other creatives because they need you right now. I wanna add that on, reach out, reach out to each other, connect. Yeah, no, we, we talked so about doing that scene study class. I would love to look into yeah. something like that. 
Yes, yes. Scene study class, failing, ha- um, failing to my way to happy. That's the name of your yeah. book. You decide to yeah. write one, failing my yes. way to happy. Yeah, I gotta I write that down. That's my book, yeah. even if you don't use it. Yeah, well, it, I, I said it first, y'all, and it's in. This is my copyright, you know, my verbal copyright. <laughs> and I'm saying if you don't use it, I'm taking it. That's my and, copyright. And I'm giving Thomas the verbal permission if I don't use it to take it. Thank you. There we go. As long as y'all heard that, there we go. <laughs> that's right. That's fair. I think that's fair. That is and that's, fair. That's creative. Someone comes up with an idea, and someone else grabs a hold of it. You know, no one's doing this alone. This isn't in a vacuum. No one is creating alone. Mm. even though we are at times writing alone, we are seeking inspiration from the universe, from movies, from plays, that the work that people have already done. So even though you may be in a room getting an inspired idea from something you're reading, someone else wrote what you're reading. So you're not really alone in the creativity. It is a collaborative group project. That's what living is. It's a collaborative group project. I love that. Yeah, Doreen, this is this is it. I can't. Yeah, to quote Michael Jackson, this is it. This is that. <laughs> or, or to quote uh, uh, Jamie Foxx in the movie Ray, you were talking about like favorite quotes, and I'm like, oh, I thought of this one. It's gonna do what it do, baby. Yeah. You know, it, it's gonna yeah. do what it do. You know, it. That's creativity. It does what it does. Baby. Well, thank you so much, Doreen. I've had a great time. Thank you to everybody out there. Um, if you have not done so, please make sure to check check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Callbacks and Paper Jams on Facebook and Instagram. Check us out. Doreen, if people want to hear you sing, where can they find more about you? They can find more about me on Facebook. Okay. Uh, Doreen Young Love Music on Facebook. Uh, they can find me on Track Source. They just go in and Google Doreen Young Love. Uh, I'm on Insta, but not super active, but at DY Love Music. Nice. And I mean, just do a Google, you'll find some stuff on me. I'm, I'm out there. I'm real low key, though. I gotta be honest, y'all. I'm, I'm low key, you know? But because uh, I'm doing it anyway. Whether y'all know if I'm doing it or not, I'm still doing what I love. I love that. Definitely check her out. This lady's got a voice, so definitely check her out. And to all of you out there, hope you guys have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>